Welcome to episode 28 of the Comfort in the Workplace podcast. I came across a Harvard Business Review article on the importance of being an objective leader. Uh, The article is called Remaining Objective is Hard, but the best leaders figure out how to do it. And it's by Michael Dempsey. And the article reminded me how big a part of my success could be attributed to being objective. I mean, it has helped me remain open to learning and has opened a broad set of opportunities. So in this episode, I wanted to give you my take on the article. I want to talk to you a little bit about how being objective can help you learn and grow. And then I'll also talk to you about how taking an objective perspective can lead to new and broader opportunities. So the author starts out by saying that there's one trait that many of the best leaders share, and it is a fierce commitment to objectivity. Now, the... The article focuses on the author's experience in the intelligence community, so the CIA and national intelligence. And I, I know, on the surface, you could say, of course they're objective. They, they, they have to be objective. They're in the intelligence community. It's all based on data. It's based on providing facts. And it's based on, well, that's not entirely true. I mean, the, the author goes on to talk about how easy it is to be swayed by emotion or let's say loyalty to the president. I mean, the president is the person who, who appointed the, the people, the directors of, of the CIA or national intelligence. So how easy it would be for them to try to show loyalty to the president and try to align to the president's viewpoints. Or maybe um, there, there's a desire for them to fit in or be accepted with the rest of the White House staff. And so they, want, they could easily go along with, with the, uh, the, the groupthink. So... Being objective is not specific to a particular role. I know for me personally, I I, I pride myself on my objectivity. And there's been times that um, people have looked at it and said, oh, yeah, well, you're objective because of, you know, your role. Your role is, you know, is this or it's that. And and people try to try to rationalize it a bit that my objectivity was attributed to my role. It's just not true. It, it, It is, as the author says, it is a commitment to objectivity that allows me to stay objective. I have it top of mind. I go out of my way to remind myself to remove emotion, to stay objective, to take away the attachment. I mean, so many, it's so easy to be attached to, you know, a particular thing that you came up with, or it's so easy to, to take the viewpoint of, you know, your team or, or the area that you're, that you're leading. But I go out of my way to keep it top of mind, to remove myself, to take a step back, to, be an observer um, looking in at the situation. And that's how I'm able to maintain my objectivity. One other thing that the author talks about is, is the reminder that the, as, the, as an intelligence director, they actually have multiple customers. And so on the, uh, the, the president might seem like the most obvious um, customer. Well, the president appointed you, you're on the White House staff. Um, but that's that, that's not the only one. It might be the one that could pull pull your attention the most. But the intelligence community is also responsible for keeping Congress informed, and it's also responsible for keeping the public informed when when appropriate. And so the the author really talks about saying, "Okay, this this objectivity, and and a way to stay objective is to remember that there are multiple customers. That's not just the president. It's not just Congress. It is also the public. You have a commitment to the public." And so it reminds me a lot that I, I talk to some of um, my managers and leaders. I, I, I tell them, you're not just the leader of your team, but you're also 
a leader in the organization. You're also a leader of the organization. And then in addition to that, you also have a commitment to your customers. Or if you're a publicly traded company, you have a commitment to your, to your shareholders. So it's not just your team that you're, that you're leading. That takes such a siloed view. You have to take a broader view and say, hey, you know what? I got to do what's best for the organization. And even further, I got to do what's best for the customer or for the shareholder. One other point that the author talks about that I liked was that, that the best leaders that show objectivity, um, at least in the intelligent community, recognize that they are a voice at the table, not the voice. And so I, I love this. It's very easy. They could, they could sit back and they could be a little bit full of their departments or themselves and say, you know, we have all the intelligence, we have all the data. And so my voice is the voice at the table and everybody should be listening to me. No, no, no. You got to recognize that you're a voice. And, and especially when you think about it in, in, in business, as you provide information upward, the leaders that are levels above you are always going to have a broader, a broader perspective. So what you're simply doing is you're providing them with additional data points, additional perspectives, and ultimately they got to piece the puzzle together and they got to make the, the, the decisions. And I do this, so no matter, no matter what my role is, on paper, I could be leading such and such a team or be responsible for a particular function, but I always consider it to be part of my job to provide my manager with an objective perspective. And so I know that they have a, a, a broader view. I know they have a broader perspective, but they may not have all the detail that I have. I'm working closely with teams a couple layers down, and I'm getting some information. I'm getting data points, and I, I really take this seriously. I, take, I, I believe that it's part of my job to provide my, uh, and I'm not just a funnel, right? It's not, you, you don't take rumors, you don't take um, gripes and just funnel them to your, to, to your boss, but you do take all of those different pieces and you paint a little bit of a picture and you try to provide that perspective um, objectively to, to your manager. And then the last thing that the author talks about, which I, which I love, is that the best leaders also encourage an inclusive, collaborative culture where it's okay to challenge it's okay to change your assumptions, and it's okay to shift based on new information. And, and for me, I sum this up in, in my head, at least, as, as continuous improvement. So you never tie to, to the true and to, to the tried and true. You never tie to what your baby was in, in, in air quotes, your baby being the process that you created or the tool that you created or the pet project that you have. But you're, you're taking that objective view, so you're always willing to take in additional data points. You're always willing to take in new information. You're willing to challenge, and you're willing to change. Um, and you're not, you, can't, you can't waffle back and forth on a daily basis, but as new information becomes apparent, you have to be willing to adjust, and you have to be willing to say, hey, you know what? We made good decisions last week based on good information, but this week we have new information, and we're going to make a new decision, and that's okay. And And the best leaders are able to be objective and take that objective view and make the adjustments when they need to make them. So staying objective has helped me to stay open-minded, very similar to that continuous improvement that I just talked about. And by having that open-minded approach, that objective approach, it's helped me to, to learn and grow. So I don't think that I have all of the answers. And sometimes that's tough because especially if, if, you're, if you're a leader of a team, the team, it's very easy for the team to look at you and to look to, look to you for, for all of the answers. 
And you have great experience. I mean, you came up through the ranks by being great at what you do. So it's tough to disconnect from that. But especially in the world today where change is accelerating, technology is advancing, things are shifting so quickly that you just can't rely on your past expertise alone, especially when it comes to subject matter expertise. So I remove myself from being the expert. I take that off the table. So as a, as, as a, as a, as a default, I'm saying I'm not the expert. And so this leads me to being curious. I ask questions. Um, I am open to learning about, about new topics. And I'm willing to admit that I don't, have, I don't have all the answers. And what I also do is I'll push it back on the team and say, well, what do you think? And do you have the info? Well, if you don't have the information, could you go research it and bring it back, bring it back to us? So take some information from outside the organization and bring it back in so that we all can, we all can learn. And so I definitely go out of my way to make sure that I'm not going in as, um, as the expert, as having all the answers. And I'm creating a culture where it's okay not to have the answers, but let's go and figure it out. Let's go get some information. Let's bring some information from outside the team or even outside the organization so that we're all learning. And so you're creating that, cult, that culture of learning. Where I do rely on my experience, though, and I do make the distinction, is when it comes to situational awareness. So people, culture, you know, how we go about our work. And I use that distinction to help me determine when I jump in and give direction. Um, I, you know, prioritization, um, how we go about our work, um, how we're interacting with each other, situations with different people on what's going to click, what's not going to click. And so what I've, what I've done through this is that um, I, I created a leadership brand where I, I am the expert on team effectiveness, on how we deliver, on ability to deliver, on how we manage relationships with customers, and then most importantly with problem solving. And so those, that's where I developed my leadership brand, not on being an expert in one particular function. Now, with, with, my, with this curiosity, this open-mindedness, this objectivity, this t- taking yourself out from being the expert, I, I've actually gone and built up knowledge and experience in multiple functions. So it's given me a well-rounded set of experience. And so by having that curiosity, by removing myself from being an absolute expert in only one area, I now have a broad set of, um, of experience and some knowledge, which in turn opens up additional opportunities. It's, it's, it's amazing how that, how that works. So now, by being open to learning and growing, these new opportunities could come from different functions. I'm not just tied to one particular function. I'm not just tied to one, um, one department. So I've always gone out of my way to take an objective perspective um, and I know in the past I've mentioned um, the book, The Zen of Listening, but it's worth mentioning again here because it's by far one of my, one of my, favorite, my favorite books. And the number one um, takeaway that I've had that helps me keep an objective perspective is getting into a person's movie. And so this just, in, in the book, the, the, the author talks a lot about um, you know, using that spare capacity in your brain as you're listening to somebody. And so instead of thinking about the next meeting or the email or um, uh, an argument that you got into with somebody, that you're fully engaged in the person that's speaking to you. 
And so you think about watching a great movie, you're thinking about the plot, you think about the characters, you think about what's happening, you're looking at the setting, you're looking at, you know, everything to do with the movie. You're in it. You're in the movie. So use that same approach when you're listening to somebody. Look at their 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 cues. You know, look at the 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 unsaid, the unspoken messages. So you're not just listening to the to the words. Try to see it from their their perspectives. And so practicing this, it helps me take on my manager's viewpoint. As I mentioned earlier, I I I, I take it seriously that I want to provide my manager with with perspectives. Um, so I I take on their issues. I think them through. And so I'll ask them questions and I'll, I'll understand what their issues are and what their perspectives are and what they're trying to solve. And then I'll take that back. And based on all of the information that I have, all of the knowledge that I have, I try to problem solve with them. So similar to the authors, um, you, you know, you're just a voice at the table concept. I'm providing a perspective to my manager, um, but I'm using the idea of getting into their, into their movie. So you're that, you're that objective um, audience member you know, so you're, you're, you're in their movie, you're watching their movie, but you're doing it objectively. So when you can relate to your manager like this, it is very, very powerful. I mean, you're taking on a broad perspective. You're taking on your manager's perspective. And this, in, in turn, is going to open up new opportunities because they're going to feel like you're on their wavelength. And now, as you're able to provide interesting ideas, and they may not take them all up, right? It's just a perspective. Remember, it's not the perspective. It's not the voice at the table. It's a voice. But what they will do is they'll get used to you thinking about things from their perspective, and they're going to come to you for help with cross-team issues. Now, think about that influence. Think about being the person that your manager comes to and says, hey, I need some help with this, um, this, this item that's going to go across the teams. Now, what you're doing is you're, you're actually starting to act like the, the leader. So now, other leaders can look at you and they could see you in that position. And if, as, when the time comes for a promotion or a new opportunity, people can already see you in that light. And so it makes it easy for them to make that leap for you to be, to be in, in, in that role. And so this also helps when you think about um, stakeholders or, or customers and managing relationships with them. If you get in their movie and understand their issues, think about how powerful that could be. And if you're providing solutions, even if it isn't necessarily your job on paper, you can offer up creative solutions. And so now, again, it helps painting your leadership beyond your team boundaries. And that's going to open up even more opportunities because people are seeing you operate not only within your team, but they're seeing you operate across and act as a leader in the organization. And they could see you fitting into many different leadership roles. Um, so it's very, very powerful in opening up opportunities by taking that objective view, by allowing that objectivity to put yourself in other people's, in other people's shoes. Um, and and it, 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 is, it, is, it is powerful to help you learn and grow. It is powerful for you to get new opportunities. And so with comfort in the workplace, there's a few tools that I, that I think can help you stay objective. Um, the first is a trade-off challenge, and trade-off challenge really helps you challenge the status quo. It helps you avoid falling into trade-offs, which are very easy, saying, okay, you could either get the cheap way, or you could get the quality, or you could get it on time, or you know, get it quickly, or it's going to cost a lot. So very easy to get into these trade-offs. The trade-off challenge forces you to take a step back, challenge the status quo, challenge your normal way of doing it. Um, so it really, it really forces that, that objectivity. 
The two and two allows you to get insights into your team's thinking. And so it helps you to shape a perspective that you're ultimately going to um, try to provide to your customers or to, to your manager. So it allows you to, to start to shape a, a perspective by getting insights into your team's thinking. The metric lead is really important because it's fact-based. It's all based on data. I mean, facts and data equal objectivity. Um, so you, you're, you're basing your priorities, you're basing your information on, on facts, and that, that is a way of staying objective. And the last one is the WWH, which um, has you getting out ahead of failure by thinking through failure. So who, what, and how. Um, so that, that whole process looks at, okay, if, if this project did fail, what was the, the key point of failure? Who was involved? And how do we avoid, how do we avoid the failure? And the, the whole process is intended to be objective, so no finger pointing, making sure that we're all in it together to try to, to, try to get out ahead of the failure. And so objective perspective is not a guarantee based on your role. And it also is not impossible for being objective based on your role. So either way, it takes a fierce commitment to staying objective. So this commitment comes with a value add to your organization, to leaders, and to your team, but it also comes with personal reward through growth and new opportunities. So I highly encourage you to take a look at, at trying to be committed to being objective, take an objective perspective, and please join me in creating comfort in the workplace by respecting team members and demanding excellence.